0: Again, thanks for clicking on to another podcast of Jiffy and Stubbsy. The background to this, uh, dual-code rugby star Jonathan Davis came up with the idea of talking to people in sport that really have an opinion that it's worth listening to. This is our second series of podcasts. Grateful thanks to Kerry London, one of the leading insurance companies uh, in the country for sponsoring uh, this series And for any advice, it's good to go and talk to them. Well, Jiffy, we have had some terrific guests so far. Today is absolutely no different. He captained England uh, to Grand Slams, to a World Rugby Union World Cup Final, playing for the British Lions. England really emerged under this man's captaincy. And I'm delighted he's agreed uh, to join us today. Will Carling. Will, thank you for spending some time with us today. First of all, I'm keen to hear when you two lined up against each other and you're looking across to the other line and you can, as opponents to each other, do you have any memories of that or any anecdotes of coming up against each other as opponents? Uh, well, yeah,
1: I have. Um, taken years of counselling. I... Uh... <laughs> So Stubbs I my first game at Twickenham was against the Welsh um, obviously we lost because um, that, that's what we did um, but I, I, I remember him and Robert Jones Jones he came out um, and I mean there, there were two things they 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 just they strutted out right and um, it, it was either it was either because the shorts were so tight that was the only way they could move <laughs> or you know there was there was just that you know, and they looked at us like, we, uh, we're going to beat you um, because we're Wales and you're England. And they had mullets, the most unbelievable mullets, both of them. <laughs> and, these t- and, and they did beat us. And, uh, but I always remember him just, uh, it was just his swagger and the fact that he was way, way, way too good. Um, oh, cheer up, Will. No, you <laughs> were. And then, and, then, uh, and do you know what? And Without getting emotional too soon, my, my last game, um, yeah. was at Cardiff and and he was there and and Rob Andrews probably one of my closest mates for some reason had come on the pitch as well I'm not sure why he'd been loitering somewhere but <laughs> it was it was for me was a very special way to finish
2: Yeah it was a great I think I um the last day was was really special I thought I think England were kind of a building up a really good side then and um, they beat this quite convincingly so yeah, it's not a it's, it's never nice to lose any international match, especially because England at cards Farms Park. So, but it made it a special, fond you know, moment when there's a photo of me, Will, and, and Rob Andrew. So, uh, but the one thing I, I, when you play Twickenham, I, I didn't have much time to worry about Will because I had. Um, the English back row trying to kill me all afternoon, so I, I, I didn't. I didn't really worry about the backs. But uh, you the first, no, you were taunting them. <laughs> well, that's the way. It's like a bull. It's like a matador with a bull. And the, the trouble is, if the bull catches you, you're dead, right? So that's the way I, I try to play that. The first time, I, uh, I think it's when I really met Will was we played this together in Glasgow, didn't we? Yes. And then he was a really young lad. I don't, I don't think I'd he, he been capped then, or just been capped. No. I'm not sure. No. no. So we turned up like uh, playing, and not in those days, we rocked up a couple of days before, one training session for the Barbarians, and then Friday night we played, uh, we then we played Glasgow Academicals on a Saturday, like a charity or a um, memorial game or something. So then we went out Friday night, and we had had an absolute skin full. And we, and we missed, we missed Willow with a missed one pass most in the first half. So then, so he'd a, he kind of regained his senses, and he, he had a good game then. But uh, no, we've only had. And got Stubbsy, what he fails to tell
1: you, right? What he fails to tell you is he had been on his, you know, um, boot money from from being in the valleys, right? <laughs> and, and then the poor student turns up from Durham, right. And, and is blown away because Jonathan Dave's there and there's a few others. Gets left with the bar bill, doesn't he? Gets left with the bar bill um, while they're sort of just giggling in the back. You know, it's just like student. It took me another three years to pay that off.
2: If I thought yeah. to the receipt. If you show me the receipt, <laughs> I'd given you after <laughs> Will, well, he did the same to me at the Atlantic oh, Bar. With Long, <laughs> Long
0: Island iced teas. Him and a few others did exactly the same to me with Long Island iced teas. Will, you mentioned Durham then. You studied at Durham University and you have a degree in psychology, the science of the mind. I'm just keen to hear about how does that apply to elite sports? By that, I mean, surely you can use it in regards to captaincy.
1: Well, you, you would have liked to have thought so, wouldn't you? Um, but uh, it passed me by. Uh, uh, do you know what? It um, I loved it. Um, I'm not sure if you ever went to talk to the... Psychology department at Durham. They, they're as fond of me as as uh, as I am of them. Um, but uh, it, it was great fun. I, I remember my thesis, which is probably the only bit of work I did, which was which was um, stress in in sport, military. It was you know how people react under stress, and um, it, it was it was great. And you and you can actually. But I, do you know what, stuff I've learned more from some of the psychologists I've met since. Um, about you know top high-end sport um and there's a huge amount I just genuinely still believe and I'm not talking about me um the difference in sport at the very top level is is mostly in the mind in you know I think they are you know say you look at the rugby rugby as as world Jiffy and I walk in you most of them are there's four or five teams fit enough to win a World Cup. There's four, four or five, maybe there's three or four who are good enough. Um, it's a mental... Uh, the, the teams who get it right mentally um, are the ones who, who win. And the All Blacks have managed to do that consistently for bloody decades. But, it's, um, but even them, if you, if you look at them in the last 10 or 15 years, a huge amount of their time is spent on the mental side of the game.
2: I think they, they, they have to because there's so much pressure on New Zealand. that You, know, you look at, the, they call them chokers in the World Cup. And, um, you know, they should have won me. They, they were favourites for every World Cup, I, I can imagine. And they, and they, and they lost, you know, lost to France and they lost to, to, um, Australia on a couple of occasions. So, and I think it's that when they brought them in to get over that hurdle, Will, is it? Yeah. Because when we were playing, you know, we didn't have any, uh, sports psychologists, you know, we just, we were amateur. So we, we, I didn't, is it, I mean, do you agree? Some players need it and then other players, don't need it? Or do you think it's, everyone would, would benefit from it?
1: I think, well, do you know, I think it changes, right, Jiffy? When, when, uh, and I hate going back, oh, when we were playing, yeah. but you, you worked, you had a different perspective on life. So I think you had experiences that the current players don't have. They come from academies. Yeah. Um, and, and the vast majority of them are told what to do from a very early age. And the vast majority yeah. of them don't question challenge they're not they're not encouraged to be inquisitive to um to think to be proactive so I think in terms of um the the current generation I think a lot of them can benefit from the psychological part of it learning um how to get themselves in in the right right emotional state but even back you know back in our day and generation since I agree with you there are some it's like anything is it there are are some people who naturally do it who naturally work out um how to get themselves up, up, for games in the right in the right frame of mind, and there are some who struggle and who can learn just like you learn speed. You know h- how to work on your speed, how to work on your strength, your skills. The, the mind
2: is is something you can work on as well. And then you're you're now in, um, involved in the English setup. What what exactly are you doing? You know with with England. It was great. It was
1: one of the young guys the other day. We were walking past me. Benno, he's a lovely guy, and he went. Will he said, can I ask you? He said, what actually do you do? And we both stood there for a while. It's a very good question. <laughs> um, we, we didn't come up with an answer, uh, but it's <laughs> No, it. I, I'm in there trying to help them with the with the leadership, the leadership group, um, in terms of uh, of how they develop um, as, as leaders, and and trying to mentor that group. And I think um, it's as we said, you know, I. I Gee, I, I'm biased, but I, I think the same with the Welsh. The Scot- they're, they're, they're good guys, you know, they're really good raw material. They're just, very few of them are being encouraged to develop leadership stuff at, at, at club level. It, it's bizarre. I think there's a, a professional sport where professionals, you, you're encouraged just to do what you're told. That's being professional. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're not encouraged to think about how you could push it that bit further. How could you improve this? How, could you, how can we get this a little bit um, better and and I think you know. So Eddie's very keen that they do, and I and I think most people are of the belief that you know you've got to hand over responsibility to the to the team, the players, and they've got to have the ability to take that on.
2: Did you give when them? Some, um, oh, go on. Go so on.
0: Right. In some ways, is it what happened when you uh, when England emerged under your captaincy? Because I remember reading that you looked at and you thought, "We've got to change," and you tried to instil that change. Did Instill that change in England. So, are, are there parallels in the overall subject that we're talking about? To be the best, you need to do things. And under your captaincy, England did, and they emerged.
1: Ah, oh, Stubbs. look, I'm not being um, humble or whatever. You know, I think there's way too much put on on my captaincy. I think you had a group of a group of characters who. Uh, just needed to be listened to and basically my role was you know I I thought was to listen to them to get them to think and tell me what we needed to change and and, and that was it yeah there's no doubt we needed to change but geez they weren't my ideas Um, they were the players ideas but I think say with with this lot um, they they are a a more talented bunch of of individuals than than we were Um, and I think it's it's basically, you know, the confidence um, and maybe a few tools for them to actually start taking on that ability to, to lead and, and drive the team. And, and I, you know, I, I think they've got all the raw materials. They, they, they are, a, you know, a, a really good um, <laughs> group of guys. And I, yeah, I love it. It's, um, I'm like a kid in, in a sweet shop.
2: I can imagine because there's different characters. I, I can see that um, Itoji and Ben Youngs and then certainly Owen Farrell. You know, they'd all... They're all kind of diff, real different characters, aren't they? You know, and it's, it's just and it's the same thing when you when you became captain of England. You know, you look at the old school, and then you came in fresh-faced. You know, university graduate, ex-army, and they must have thought, "Who is this bloke now? Who's gonna?" But that's the that's the respect, and that's, that's I think it wasn't it Cook that put you in charge, wasn't it? Yeah, Diggs. And I'm thinking, right, that was a great. I think it was a great move for him. You know to do that, and to, you had, you must have had immense respect for you. Well, to you know to because I think being English captain in any sport is is a fantastic position to be, right? But also, if things don't go well, I think it also could be the worst position to be because the media, you know, just turns turns on you know the English the managers, players, captains. So you know, if, and I'm thinking ninety one. You know, you. Sh- Imagine, well, you'd have been a by now if you'd have won that 91 World Cup, wouldn't you? And, you? and you should have won it, really. Well, do you know what, Jiffy? It's, uh,
1: uh, what, what used to frustrate me, and I know we've mentioned this, was um, you, I grew up, um, and then, you know, England's your, your dream, and, and you play, you, you, luckily, you know, you get picked. And, and that was my dream. But yeah. you're not allowed to be as passionate, you're not allowed to be passionate as a, as an Englishman. You're not allowed to talk about winning, you know, because you're English. And and so the Welsh, the Scots, the, whatever they say, you know, there's that whole, oh, you're arrogant. As soon as you're passionate, you're arrogant. And I'm like, yeah. and I just used to struggle with that because I think, no, you know, I, I want us to win. This, this is what I dreamed of, of playing. And why can't we be passionate about being English? Uh, and I think... There's also there's the there's the whole and it jo- it's it's joking sides of it. It's like there's a whole um, there's the empire and there's a whole look. You know we, we don't want to be we don't want to win too often. It's that's awful. It's, you know <laughs> and you think rubbish. It's about winning. Um, yeah. So th- there's all that that goes on with with being an England captain. But you think it's uh, and and Owen is is very much a winner. That's you know he, he's got an intense focus on winning and and I love that.
0: You, you mentioned there. Um, Values and perception. You were both central figures when rugby union wrestled with um, the advent of professionalism. Jiffy, I remember coming to Wales to make a film uh, with you about when you were considering moving to rugby league, and I learned so much about the issue by talking to you. Will you? You questioned famously. Uh, England's leadership at the RFU with a very famous quote but can I ask I've always wanted to ask you was that comment off-camera or was it meant for the program because I've read so many different things about this was it off camera was it an aside or did you say it? Uh,
1: I I got interviewed by Greg Dyke who went on to to head up the BBC didn't he? Mm. Um, So I was sitting opposite, I, and I knew what the program was going to be about, And I knew what they were after, right? And you know, I'm not bright, but I thought, you know, um, I thought, you know, I, I'll tread a, a careful line. And I had trodden a very careful line with him. And uh, he said, "Great, thanks, Will." And I took my microphone off. I remember turning it off, put it on the table, and I walked past him, um, and the camera was behind him. And uh, as I walked past, he went, "Come on, Will." He said, what if the game does go professional? And I just laughed. I was behind the camera. I turned around and I went, I don't know, Greg. I said, but hey, you know, you wouldn't need 57 old farts to run it, would you? And just laughed and just walked out. Um, And so it was not as far as, you know, and I remember when when the the media was going nuts. um, And uh, I was being rung up by, you know, the guy saying, I went, I didn't say that in the interview. I did not say... (laughs) <laughs> I would remember because I'd know exactly what was going to happen if I'd said it, but yeah. he had left his microphone on, which for me, uh. you just think, Greg, that's uh, in, in my book, that's cheap. You know, it's just, I, I did the interview for you and stupid of me, yeah. no yeah. doubt stupid. Right. But I, I wasn't hugely impressed with him. I must say. No, no. But there we go. I
2: couldn't
0: believe it at the time. And if you go back to when you were thinking of turning uh, professor as well, I couldn't just believe at the time and it's great to talk to, you to talk to you two today in a new world because it did appear like values were in the dark ages and it's great they've changed. Well, it was odd. It was odd
2: for us because, you know, again, international, we, we, we played and didn't, you know, earn any money. And you think in all packed stadiums, Television, rights, Everything. So, but we we grew up in our era. We were amateur with the sportsmen. Hey, you know, we were unlucky. Maybe we should have gone into football or or, or tennis or something. But, but then, once it it kind of was going that way. You know, I I remember what uh, really s- soured me with the Northern Hemisphere rugby when we went to New Zealand. First of all, for the World Cup, and secondly, then we went back there again. Thank you very much for that. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm still scarred, you know, like standing behind the post when it's in Dunedin when it's hailstones that big it, you on know, the head, and oh, this is a nightmare. But uh, it's when we came back, they were semi-professionals. They weren't paid for playing, but I remember Sean Fitzpatrick saying, "The only thing they got to worry about is the rugby. Everything else, they have time off for training. You know, they I think they, the companies they work for, would be re- uh, reimbursed by their by their sponsors." or so, that's that's what really hurt me because I I then knew that we would ne- the northern hemisphere would never you know be on the same uh, level as the southern hemisphere you know and i from I think from '91 to, it took us 12 years 2003 to to win England to win the World Cup but you know since it, when the game went professional I think it's fairer for everyone and there's no excuses now whereas then I was really disappointed and that's what that's why I went north to be honest because I didn't feel that we were, we were going to you know, win international competitions. And, I, and as a player, I played rugby to, to win games, to win international matches. And it wasn't the fact that you know, they weren't getting paid. Well, I didn't care about getting paid, but we should have had the same, same treatment as, as them and allowed to train as well. And that's the big thing.
1: And do you know what, Stubbs, so that's exactly what our argument was. I'm, we toured South Africa in 94. And the first game we played in Durban... It, and it was under floodlights, and I remember they scored against us, and up on the scoreboard, flashed the winger's bonus for scoring. <laughs> and it was one of those moments where <laughs> you were going, all right, uh, yeah, yeah, bonus, of course, yeah, then the great amateur game that we play. Um, yeah. And oh, our no. argument, therefore, with the committee guys who were on that tour, was going, how can you tell us it's an amateur game? Yeah. And actually, all we're arguing with you about is Give us a chance to win. Make it a level playing field. It's either amateur or it's professional. But at the moment, you know, it's unfair that we we play against these guys. um, And uh, just like Jiffy, you want to beat them, but it's like...
2: um, you can't, but we had World Cup, and we just signed a form to say we wouldn't make any uh, income from uh, rugby. This is just before the World Cup started. First game with um, New Zealand, Italy. We signed a form to say, right, Ray Williams, we're not going to make any uh, revenue from rugby for the next 12 months or whatever. And actually we sat down and as the advert that came on before the first World Cup game ever was John Kerwin uh, advertising acne cream. That was it. We're thinking, what's going on here? But then when I, when I flipped it, then I remember it was a great story. Remember Brett Papworth playing yes. for Australia? A great yeah. player, right? He yeah. went to play for um, Eastern Suburbs in uh, Rugby League in Sydney, right? I and mean, he was very and lucky. He He's a great player. Um, but he, he broke his arm and broke his leg. Uh, and then I think he broke his jaw a couple of times. And I remember that an advert came on television. I was down there. It says, Mitsubishi Cars. Not even Brett Topworth can break this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that was—it was just so different, so funny. But you know, we enjoyed. I really enjoyed playing against uh, Will and, and, and England. It was—it um, was great for us because you know we nighted out in London, so we, which we never did. We had great. It was a great atmosphere, you know, and great competition. So, and the best thing is, you know, hopefully the, the current players. You know, we we've, we've been friends uh, ever since. You stay in touch, and I think that's what they miss uh, Will. I think maybe that's what you've been brought in. I think outside, they, more of a rounded person, I think I think Will comes in, he's had all the experiences of life and then he kind of gives out of the younger play, which is I think is a great move by Eddie Jones to get to get Will involved.
0: Uh, time has beaten us, but there's a lot more to come from Will Carling in this edition of Jiffy and Stubsy. More from Will will be released over the next 48 hours and he has a lot more to tell us. See you soon. Bye for now. And thanks for listening to Jiffy and Stubbsy. Hope you'll join us again. Please hit the subscribe button.